are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to run down all your trends for Thanksgiving Day, and they are seriously, seriously leaning towards one particular way to bet on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's one of the, I don't want to call it one of the easiest betting days of the year, but all the trends go in one direction. Also, we're going to talk about some college football stuff. I'm going to actually have one of my plays to give early because I just know that a lot will probably not tune in Thanksgiving morning. We will have a podcast tomorrow. Probably won't be too long, but I will be giving out some plays. Um, you know, I'll be giving out a play because I just don't want to give it out on Thursday morning for Thursday's games. So um, one of the plays will definitely be uh, given out today. And we're going to talk some college football and, um, you know, more of NFL talk. So we'll get to all that momentarily. But let's start out with Thanksgiving Day gambling. And this comes directly from Evan Abrams, who works for the Action Network. And this is just, it's amazing. You know, you talk about, yes, it's the same teams every year. It's Always Detroit Lions with the first game on Thanksgiving Day. Dallas Cowboys have the second game. And then basically back in, I believe it started in 05 or 06 where we got the third game. Uh, And that rotates every year. This year we've also got a Black Friday game with Miami and the Jets. But this is just strictly talking about Thanksgiving Day games. Okay? First off, favorites in general on Thanksgiving Day. 46-8 straight up, 36-18 against the spread. Also, if you're a favorite on Thanksgiving Day of seven points or higher, you're 21-2 straight up, 17-6 against the spread since 2006. Since 1990, that goes to 27-4 straight up, 23-8 against the spread. Seven-point favorites or more on Thanksgiving Day. Well, right now, we have all three games at seven points or more. Lions are favored by seven and a half over Green Bay. The Cowboys are favored by 11 over the Commanders. And Seattle is, or the 49ers are a seven-point favorite at Seattle. Let's go even further. Favorites of 10 points or more in the last, since since 2005. 8-0 against the spread. In the last 30 years, 11-0 against the spread, which is really interesting because that's probably the biggest one that goes against everything else that I'm about to give you and some of which I went over yesterday. In the last 20 years, seven-point favorites on the road, which would apply to San Francisco. Seven points or more, favored on the road on Thanksgiving Day, have never lost straight up, 9-0, covered eight of those nine, eight and one against the spread. Road favorites in general on Thanksgiving Day, 24-1 straight up, 19-6 against the spread since 2004. However, the flip side is this. So it's like, okay, bet the favorites, whether they're home or road, on Thanksgiving Day, and normally you're going to come home a winner. However, the one big caveat in all this is one of the trends is you bet against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. They've lost four in a row against the spread on Thanksgiving Day. They are 1-11 against the spread in their last 12 Thanksgiving Day games, 
and Dak is 1-5 against the spread on Thanksgiving, the worst of any quarterback on Thanksgiving Day since 1990. So which is it? Do you bet on the Washington Commanders, who have covered every road game this year as a dog? They haven't not covered a game as a dog this year, and now they're getting 11 in a divisional game off of a bad loss, a horrible loss to the Giants. Or do you go against the grain and take the Cowboys at home, even though a lot of the numbers that I just gave you favor home favorites on Thanksgiving Day, not to mention this particular season where the Cowboys are 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread at home, They've covered every home game. They've blown everybody out. They've won every home game by at least 20 points. And they've outscored their opponents 160 to 50 at home this year. So which one is it? That one is a tough one. Personally, I would lean towards betting against the Cowboys at home in this particular game. Because I don't think Washington is terrible. The four teams that the Cowboys have beaten at home, terrible. Giants, Jets, Patriots, and Rams. That's who they've beaten at home. That's why they are 100 and outscored their opponents 160 to 50 at home this year. Their opponents stink, <laughs> you know. But here's a divisional opponent where they're favored by double digits against a divisional opponent who has covered every game as a road dog this year. So for whatever reason, Washington plays well on the road. And then we know this whole statistic of if you're deciding on who to bet, you usually take divisional dogs. But then you would be betting against Detroit. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, my best bet of the week, I'm already giving it to you because it's on tomorrow's slate of games. My best bet of the week is Detroit minus seven and a half in the pros. I know I haven't been great on best bets. What am I, three, six, and one? I'm going with Detroit tomorrow. One, that statistic. Two, I don't think Jared Goff is playing two bad games in a row. They were laying eight last week against the Bears. He threw three interceptions, and they still won by five. I, Green Bay is coming off a win. I think Green Bay is – they're not as good as people may even think. I think they're living off of a history. I know this is a divisional game, but you've seen it doesn't matter. When it comes to Thanksgiving, for whatever reason – Home favorites are the way to go. Now, I would probably lean towards the Commanders, which would not be a home favorite, and betting the Cowboys. But my best bet of the week in the NFL is going to be the Detroit Lions tomorrow, minus 7.5 at home against the Packers. And as you know, any game that's 7.5 or 3.5, when we're betting the favorite, we buy the half point and bet it down. So Detroit minus 7 against Green Bay is your best bet of the week in pros. Did not talk about the Eagles-Chiefs game from Monday night in yesterday's podcast because I had recorded yesterday's podcast before that game even started. But once again, by hook or crook, come hell or high water, no matter how ugly it might look sometimes, Jalen Hurts just fucking wins. He is now 26-2 and in his last 28 regular season starts. The last four starts he had in 2021, all the starts he made last year, and all the starts this year. They are 9-1. and one. They are running the show in the NFC. Probably going to be the number one seed. I talked about this when it came to the Dallas Cowboys. If the Dallas Cowboys end up 
not winning the NFC East, they are going to probably be the five seed, which isn't so bad in the first round because they are going to get the NFC South winner. Just like last year, they were the five seed. They went 12 and five last year and they played a five seed who was eight and nine. But the eight and nine team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, got the home game. Didn't matter. Cowboys stomped them. The Cowboys will do the same thing to the Saints or the Falcons in round one this year because we already know Cowboys are making the playoffs. They're probably going to be the five seed, though. What it means is it's just going to be a really, really long road to the Super Bowl because barring an upset by the six or seven seed, the Cowboys are going to have to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl. That loss to Arizona early on in the season when they were 10-point favorites and lost by 14 to a team that's only won two games so far this season, that's going to come back and bite them in the ass. Because if they didn't lose that game, they'd only be one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles heading into, assuming the Cowboys beat the Commanders and then beat Seattle the following week. They'll be heading into their Philadelphia game minimum one game behind them. Because Philly still has Buffalo and the San Francisco 49ers the next two weeks. But they have a two-game lead on the Cowboys. So that loss to Arizona is going to absolutely come back and bite them in the ass. It'll make them the five seed. They're not going to be scared about their first-round playoff matchup, no matter who it is, whether it's Tampa Bay somehow winning the NFC South or Atlanta winning the NFC South or the Saints winning the NFC South. The Cowboys are going to roll any one of those three teams. So they will get their sixth playoff win. Congratulations, Cowboys. Sixth playoff win since their last Super Bowl appearance in 96. It'll be their sixth win since in the playoffs once they beat the NFC South as a five seed. Unless somehow the Cowboys slip to the sixth seed, then they're in big trouble because then they're probably going to be playing either Detroit or San Francisco in the first round of the playoffs on the road, and I don't think you want to do that. But that's where we stand right now. The Eagles, this was more of an Eagles take, but then it dived into uh, you know NFC playoff seedings and stuff like that. But Jalen Hurts is just amazing. 26-2 and two as a starter in his last 28? I can't imagine there's many other quarterbacks in the history of the league that ever had a stretch of 26-2 and two as a starter. And this isn't talking about against the spread. I'm just talking about winning games. The guy's just a winner all around. Absolute winner. They were down 17-7 at half on the road, Monday night football, to the defending Super Bowl champions who beat them in the Super Bowl last year. 10-point deficit. And what'd they do? They shut out Kansas City in the second half, and they win the game 21-17, which was kind of opposite of what happened in the Super Bowl when the Eagles had a double-digit halftime lead against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs came back and won by, what was it, 38-35 was the final in the Super Bowl? They didn't shut out the Eagles in the second half, but Eagles shut out Kansas City in Kansas City at home on Monday night, and it was the, I believe, most-watched Monday night football game in the history of ESPN slash ABC. Good game. Really good game. Shows that the Eagles are so resilient. Sometimes they win ugly, but they just win, and that's all that matters. And now they got Buffalo and San Francisco in the next two weeks, both at home. Imagine if they sweep both of those, and they have a three-week run of Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco. They'd be the odds-on favorite uh, to win the Super Bowl, and why wouldn't they be? Your college football playoff seedings, the selection show every Tuesday night happened last night. There was one change, and that was number five, Washington, leapfrogged into the top four, 
and Florida State went from four to five. You got to remember when the college football playoff committee meets every week and spits out these rankings every Tuesday, they only go off of what happened since last week's performances. Well, Florida State beat an FCS school in Northern Alabama, and Washington won on the road at Washington. Who they beat? Not Washington State. Duh, they beat Oregon State. So last week, Washington was number five, Florida State's number four. And what the committee does is be like, all right, what happened this past week? Washington went on the road and beat a ranked team, the 12th ranked team in the nation, Oregon State, at Research Stadium, and Florida State won a home game against an FCF school by 40. So clearly they're going to move Washington State up. It's really not going to matter. Obviously the last, <laughs> the last rankings matter. But this is setting up really interesting because Florida State has lost their quarterback. We don't know how, how good they're going to be with their backup. They've got Florida on the road this week, a rivalry game. Florida would love nothing more than to ruin Florida State's perfect season. And if they get by Florida, they play a one-loss Louisville in the ACC championship. They could beat them. Certainly they could beat them. Hell, with Jordan Travis, Florida State almost lost to Boston College earlier this year. So what's his name? Tate Roadmaker? Rodemaker? Rudabaker? Studebaker? I don't know what his name is. It's something like that. He's decent. He's not terrible. But it really puts a damper if Florida State loses. I think you can say, like, well, put it this way. If Florida State does lose, of course their fans are going to say, if we would have had Jordan Travis, we would have won. Of course they're going to say that. And they might, and they very might well have. But they've got that working against them now. Washington has the fact that they have to go play the Apple Cup this week. Now, Washington State has fallen on hard times. They started out 4-0 and then lost six in a row. But it's still the Apple Cup. Could Washington lose? Sure. But they probably should get by Washington State. But then they're going to have a rematch with Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Oregon lost at Washington by three points. And ever since that game, they have absolutely steamrolled everybody that they've played. They have a better defense. Their offense is just as good. I expect Oregon to win the rematch. I really do. And I think it's going to be a great game. But I, I find it hard to believe that Washington is going to beat Oregon twice in the same season with a much, much worse defense. Oregon would really have to self-implode. Like, I'm talking lose the turnover battle by three, you know, four turnovers to one or five turnovers to two. I just think all things being equal, assuming Washington doesn't get any defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns, if the t turnover situation is roughly even, I think Oregon wins that rematch. And Oregon, being 12-1 and as the Pac-12 champion, would absolutely be in guaranteed to the playoff. And then we just have to see what happens elsewhere. It is crazy to think that the two-time defending national champion Georgia, if they lose in the SEC championship game and would be 12-1 and but a non-SEC champ, they're out, unfortunately. On any other year where there was very few teams that had good records, I think Georgia would have had a chance to get in the playoffs, just like the loser of Michigan and Ohio State last year. Ohio State still made the playoff because it was such a close game. I mean, somewhat close. Now, I just think I, I think this season with so many good teams and so many good records, I just don't see any way that Georgia makes it in as a 12-1 non-SEC champion. They have to win the SEC championship for them to get in the Final Four. 
If Alabama wins, I think they're in. Yes, we've already been over this, even though Texas beat them in Alabama in week two. I'm sorry. Texas hasn't been impressive since that win, and Alabama has done nothing but get better every single week. They're going to get in. They're not going to deny a 12-1 and SEC champion out of the college football playoff. Call it bias. Call it whatever you want. They're getting in. And then if Florida State runs the table, they're in. Even with Jordan Travis out, I don't think they're going to leave out a 13-0 ACC champion. And then your fourth team is going to be the Michigan-Ohio State winner. Since we know that team is not losing to Iowa, they will probably pace them by five touchdowns. So right now, if you ask me who do I think the four teams making the college football playoff are, I think it's going to be Michigan. I think it's going to be Oregon. Georgia, because I still think Georgia is beating Alabama. And Florida State. I still think Florida State's running the table. I think they're getting in. I think they're going to beat Florida and they're going to beat Louisville, go 13-0. and So you're going to have, what, three 13-0 teams and a 12-1 and team. That's the way I'm seeing it right now with two weeks left in the season. Obviously, I could be dead wrong. There could be so many losses. Ohio State might beat Michigan. Florida State might lose. Maybe Washington beats Oregon. Maybe Alabama beats Georgia. Maybe I'm 0 for 4. But that's how I think it's playing out. I think those four teams win out, go 2-0 and the rest of the year, and that will be your four-team playoff. And Texas, if they go 2-0 and the rest of the way, which isn't guaranteed, they got Texas Tech at home this week, probably should win that game, and then we don't know who they're playing in the Big 12 championship yet because things need to happen. I believe Oklahoma State controls their own destiny. They win, they're in, and they would play Texas. Texas probably has the easiest road to 2-0 and the rest of the year versus those other four teams, but whether they go 2-0 and or not, if those other three things, other four things happen, Michigan goes 2-0, and Georgia goes 2-0, and Florida State goes 2-0, and and Oregon goes 2-0, and I think Texas is out. They're the ones that are going to be the 12-1 and conference champion that doesn't get in because I think Oregon's resume is going to be way more impressive than Texas's, and Texas's resume will not compare, well, I <laughs> I don't want to say compare to Michigan because Michigan will have literally two good wins all year, Penn State and Ohio State. But they've been in the college football playoff top four all year. They're not dropping out by winning the Big Ten championship. So that's the way I see it right now. Granted, things can happen. Weirdness happens. The fact that Jordan Travis went down last week is huge. It might might end up making it easy for us. Maybe Florida State will lose. I don't know. But – and maybe and maybe Washington will win. I, you know, I I don't know. If I knew, we'd all be rich. And the last thing I want to talk about in regards to this is the Heisman Trophy, where, you know, we're eleven weeks into the college football season. I don't think that there is an absolute just front runner right now. I think the two guys that it should be between right now are. Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I really do. I think those are the two best candidates right now. And, you know, the thing about the Heisman Trophy is there's no criteria. Everybody's got their own criteria for how they want to vote. Is it the best statistical season? Is it the best quarterback on the best team? Is it on a, is somebody that you have to give it to on a team with two or less losses? Is it, you know, a lot of people will say Jaden Daniels. And I, I can't sit here and say I disagree. Even though I just said it's between Bo Nix and Michael Penix. 
Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Jaden Daniels should be the three people at the Heisman Trophy presentation. If they want to bring a fourth, go ahead. But it's between those three guys. And honestly, we know statistically Jaden Daniels is the best statistical quarterback. And we know we can't blame the fact that the LSU has three losses on Jaden Daniels because look at what he did in those three games. His numbers were through the roof in the three losses. How can Jaden Daniels control his defense sucking? He can't. But unfortunately, I think most voters who vote in the Heisman basically just look at who's the quarterback on the best team. And Washington beat Oregon. Bo Nix is headed for a season where he's going to complete 78% of his passes. It's the highest in the history of college football. He might get it. But honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with any three of them getting it. So I don't know. I just think that right now, and I can't remember if the Heisman voting happens after the 12th game or after conference championship games. If it happens after conference championship games, you can pretty much guarantee that the winner of the Oregon-Washington Pac-12 conference championship game, that quarterback's getting the Heisman. Because I'm assuming whatever team wins, that quarterback's going to have a good game. I can't see the winning team quarterback having a bad game, them winning, and the other guy going off and giving it to him. So probably have to look that up. Try and get an answer for that by tomorrow. But I can't remember when they vote. But if they vote after the conference championship, then yeah, I think the Heisman Trophy is going to come down to the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. Give a good review. I'd appreciate it. It'd be nice. Pass this along to your friends. Let them know if they're interested in gambling. Hey, you might want to get that bet in. Detroit, by the half point, minus seven, at home tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day against the Packers. Put that one in. Take it to the bank. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show in time. See you.